Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our discussion of Season 4, Episode 6 of Succession. This episode is entitled Living Plus and was directed by Lorraine Scafario and written by Georgia Pritchett and Will Arbery. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Megan. Hi, I'm Rachel. Hi, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Kate. Um, Just like overall, what was your favorite part of this episode? I'm curious. Kendall's speech was like my favorite. Like I just yeah. was so nervous that it was. I, know. I was so tense. They did so good building like, that. Oh my god, is it just gonna go? I was sure it was gonna go terribly. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I'm so like secondhand embarrassment was like. Yes. But then I'm like, oh, it's actually okay. So that right. was good for me. Just the emotions of the roller coaster that I was on during that. Yeah, when he kept saying "big shoes, big shoes," and you're like, really yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I think my favorite part was at, towards the beginning, before things kind of got crazy, with where um, Roman asked if they could do the huggy thing. Oh, no. <laughs> and they had that cute group hug. And I love the way his hands like folded over each other behind Shiv. It was very sweet. Yeah. And I, on, on my rewatch, as I was watching that scene, I was like, okay, just remember this because you're going to hate him later. <laughs> And now, yeah. oh, it's so cute. Is the huggy thing entirely from episode three? Is that when the huggy thing started? Yeah, I think Maybe. so. I never saw it before. Very cute. They had that group hug in season one at the wedding when oh. they did, went to the boathouse. And that was sort of a funny, right. funny, lighthearted <laughs> moment. That was good. But now it's back for good. I actually really enjoyed this episode. It felt like it was meatier. Like the scenes, I felt like they had layers to them. Like there was lots of subtext and stuff going on that I felt like I was getting out of it more on my second watch. And I ended up taking a lot of notes. Less funny lines, but there were definitely like a couple times I laughed out loud. Yeah, still, still yeah. funny part. Yeah. But yeah, like not as much. Yeah, not as many. Kimberly, what was your favorite part? I did enjoy when Greg was in the editing room and he was like, do, do it, Mr. <laughs> Snippy Sniff or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Please, or else I'll get in trouble and I want to be in the good books. <laughs> it reminded me of um, like either Violet or myself editing and I'm like, Chop, Snippy Sniff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my note. I was like, uh, Violet and Kimberly could edit that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. No, that was good. I would not be able to do that. That was, that was amazing what they did there. That's crazy. I don't know how they do the video. Yeah, the mouth thing you wouldn't be able to do. The mouth is hard, yeah. Yeah. It just kind of stumbles. Yeah. It just looks like a little bit of a glitch, kind of, if you look closely. In my opinion. I don't know. Okay. Wait, did you say what yours was, Kay? Just Tom and Shiv. I like the um, dynamic between them. Mm -hmm. But I kind of get it, because I guess I've been weirdly like Shiv in some ways, where she, like, kind of wants to be nice, but she just, like, can't. And she's sort of trying, but other things come out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. But he also gets it, and it's like they're so weird this season. They this are. season they're so incredibly very strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's like one thousand times worse than me. But like, and you can only do this basically with your husband or spouse or partner. But you know, like you're like pissed off, and you're like, I'm not. I'm being wrong here, and I should be nice. And then you like enter with the thought of being nice and then you say something else <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure not everyone does that but I have done it not to the extreme she does but it's funny to watch her like struggling with obviously she kind of wants to like be with him I don't know I enjoyed it 
Okay, so the episode opens Logan's back. Hooray. I think I saw Brian say he was in a future episode, so I'm guessing this is it, if I did not misunderstand that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it opens with a recording of Logan on a green screen. And after it was immediately clear it wasn't a video message to the kids or anything, which I was kind of hoping for, I figured it was the kids trying to back up their campaign to make him look like an asshole with uh, support. But he's just teaching us about living close. Somewhere he probably wouldn't be caught dead, even if it granted him an extra decade of life. A funny moment I liked was when Logan called the kids idiots and Hugo apologizes, but Ken was like, it's fine, that's a Valentine's Day card. <laughs> and he laughs like super affectionately and says, good to see you, Dad. That was sweet, I think. And the free screen on his face, it's so mean. It's such a great Logan shot. It really captured his essence. They should put that up in the, in the ATN HQ. We've never heard about this before, right? I don't think so, no. It was new to me. Yeah. yeah. I always think about like the writer's room during something like this because I actually have to think up like something like businessy and make it try to sell it and it's just like interesting they did a good job I mean at first it looked really lame but Kendall sold it really well in the end so I was just happy to see Logan again I know even for just that one minute and he we got to see like the real Logan because he was not liking being told yeah. what to do and directed <laughs> and told to do it over again and try and be more enthusiastic and he's like oh really you think I should <laughs> it was perfect it was right <laughs> and even that like he's mean to the makeup lady like, it was very <laughs> Logan peak Logan he hates everyone it seems <laughs> yeah I'd be terrified of makeup person mm-hmm. no thank you i i assume they get paid like what's it called if you have like a dangerous job and you get like the extra pay hazard pay or something hazard like pay yes <laughs> i they get hazard pay uh, and then she was watching it on her phone looking super hot when she gets called from Matson, who is conveniently stopped to refuel at the same airport only 20 meters away. There's a little power trip over who's coming to each other's plane and Matson gets in but refuses to put his shoes on. It's such a Matson thing to do, walking across the tarmac to his friend's private plane barefoot. I really enjoyed that. And when he gets there, he hurts her feelings when he does her plane interior before getting to the point. He doesn't like living plus. Why are they bothering when they're just supposed to be babysitting the company until he buys it? Land cruises. You know how shitty being stuck on a cruise is? And then you put that on land? And ultimately, he wants Chip to be his inside woman. He even tells her about what happened on the mountain, which obviously her brothers haven't bothered to do, which is so fucked up. My note on the scene is I just, I like Matson around her. He's much more likable around Shiv than he is around anybody else. Yeah. And it's cute when he backward dances off the plane and blows her a kiss. I forgot to mention his yoo-hoo when he gets on the plane. It's also that was cute. very adorable. <laughs> they do have a, a, a nice flirty banter. Like, uh, it's, they do. it's good. It, it, it's good how they do it. And he seems genuine with her. Uh-huh. Like, I, I feel like he's putting on something with everybody else. But I think... However he is with her is sort of like a genuine side of himself. It was also just such a rich thing of like rich people to have like two private jets like pulled up next to each other at the, <laughs> on the tarmac and like talking through the window. I was like, wow. Wave out your, <laughs> your private jet window. Yes. Hi. LA is quite far from Sweden. I wonder, like, I assume he's in LA for something. I hope. Yeah, because he never goes to the event. So it wasn't like he was going for that. Yeah, I also like that in this episode... I think to me it became more evident that it is actually just a platonic friendship, even though they are like flirty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like platonic male female friendships, you know? You don't see it all that well, all that often. Like really good. Not that they're really good friends either, but anyway, I enjoy right. the relationship here. Yeah, it's a, it's it's not flirty sexual. It's like flirty that they're both flirty people by nature, you know? Yeah. Right. I no longer think they fought. They play off each other. 
Like, Ken and Ron come into the LA office, Ken takes Joe's seat, so she moves, pissed off, and they don't even really acknowledge her when they come in, which sucks, and it is Investor Day, we learned. Since Scooby-Doo and Madsen didn't work, they're trying to Scooby-Doo the board. Madsen exhibited some erratic behavior, a meltdown, human Chernobyl, and Carolina's like, uh, but specifically? And they're not prepared for that stupidly, and they proceed to blatantly lie. No, no good details, shouting and stuff, it's all very, like, incoherent. Interesting though that Shiv at this table has exactly the specific information that would come in handy here. But since they're freezing her out, she has no interest in offering it up. And nobody cares. They just say, this is how geniuses act. It adds to the mystique. And then everybody leaves except Shiv, who fully understands what's going on. And they're like, oh yeah, sorry, we should have mentioned it. That dry thing again. And they were hoping to keep things dry. I really hate when they say that at this point. When Rome stumbles, he's like, I think it's just the vanity that stopped us. We were so proud of the deal. And she just yells, I know you. I fucking know you, boys. You're not good at this. Hey, dad, Shiv spilled chocolate milk in the Range Rover. You're trying to fuck the deal. Go on, lie to me and lie to my face. And it works. Ken's fine. Ken finally admits we're not sure about the deal. And Rome's pissed off that Kendall's the one that folded, making him look like the asshole brother. And she's like, oh man, you guys are fucking cocksuckers. The deal was we were getting out, Queen and doing Pierce together. Ken says they can have it all instead and swears they weren't going to take her over. Uh, which obviously they, I mean, I don't think that they're like purposefully trying to dick her over, but they're definitely purposefully trying to exclude her and make decisions about her. Uh, this is me. Anyway, I was pretty surprised when she says yes to the huggy thing. And then they hug. She did say yes, but her face was not totally accepting of it. No, she was not in it. Right. I was just going to say, I, I thought it was like a strategic play for them to bring up kind of that Matson is the unhinged one on the mountain there. Yeah. I feel like it was a bit of damage control. Yeah. Once it comes out, what actually happened? I mean, honestly, they are, they are telling the truth because yeah. he is unhinged and and so if he tries to come back, I mean, he's told Shiv that they were unhinged up there and now they're telling Shiv it was him. I also like that Shiv's face or the way that she was responding to that yarn that they were spinning about Madsen. She totally like like she'd already heard Madsen's side and mm-hmm. now she's hearing them saying the same thing about him in reverse. And she's totally just clocking them on they're the ones who are bullshitting me. I know exactly what's going on here. Like she wasn't like suddenly considering their side like she's just like oh but you can tell in her face she knows they're totally right bullshitting the entire room yeah i love that how well she calls them out and how well she knows them yeah like and they can't even keep lying to her you they know? can't lie yeah they can't lie she's like look at me and just ch- say that to my face and she, yeah kindles like they I can't. can't they break not even kindle can yep so this whole episode i felt like every single character at some point flexes a bit like everybody has a moment where they stand up for themselves or they you know talk back to somebody or something and obviously there's Roman and Kendall who are flexing their CEO chops and they're sort of throwing that around this was like Shiv's moment to like finally call them out on on what they've been keeping her icing her out of and uh I loved it I thought you know it was like finally and I and I I was thinking back I was considering why did she take so long to kind of call them out on their shit and I think she was at first hoping that they weren't. And then and then as she was maybe hoping that they would be the ones to come clean. But when clearly this wasn't going to happen, it was like, okay, enough, enough. I'm just gonna gonna force them and I'm gonna call them out on it. And it was really it was a good moment for her because she finally just leaned into them and got them to admit what they'd been keeping from her. Well, I feel like she still lets them off real easy. Like at this point, I'd be calling them on everything and being like, look, 
you're not honoring the deal. You're not giving me the loot. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if she's just flying below the radar and watching them, yeah. trying to see if they are going to like self-destruct and then yeah. she will step in as the sane one. By the way, I think that's what's going to happen in the end. Yeah. Like in the end, I think mm-hmm. she will be in control. That definitely could happen. That's how I felt in the uh, later in the episode when she's in the audience with Rome. That was exactly my mm-hmm. feeling. I was like, oh, now she's happy. She's not part of it because she's just watching them. Yeah, self-destruct. Yeah, she's stealthy. She's just waiting. She's just uh-huh. seeing how they're going to right. handle this. And then... Yeah, once they self-destruct, she's coming in. Yeah, yeah, she's being smart. Yeah, she's the sweeper. And she's also playing Madsen on the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. she's pretty smart. So she's kind of got him wrapped around her finger. So she's like playing both sides. Yeah, she has more control than they have, than they know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting that Tom, when Ken and Roman are spinning their yarn about Madsen, Tom calls it a negotiating tactic, which is the same thing Roman had called it when he was doing it in the moment. I'll just say it's a negotiating tactic. Right, yeah. And then Shiv's assistant comes in, breaks up the hug, the huggy thing. And uh, it seems like she has a, a really important meeting for 20 minutes. But really, she's just in a dark room by herself crying when Tom and Greg walk in. And she definitely would have locked that door, by the way. There's no <laughs> way Shiv's in a room crying without locking the door. However, she didn't. And Greg pieces out immediately and Tom shuts the door. She's okay. And she tells him, I found I am too busy. What was my dad? And so Sarah has sometimes found me somewhere so that I have a moment to cry. So a tear of like, you're scheduling a grief? Mm-hmm. So she doesn't fuck off, but it comes around to comfort her. And it's sweet. And then she kisses him. And he's probably so confused, but he kisses her back. He did. You did see like his hand on her waist, though. He was kind of like, I feel like he was like kind of caressing it a little bit. Yeah. But wouldn't that be a sympathy move, too? I, they did. They zoomed in on that. So obviously, that was mm-hmm. the purpose to show you that he was making the first move. When someone rubs your waist, you're like, ooh, what's happening right now? Yeah. I got a vibe from it. <laughs> I'm not going to rub your waist, am I? If I want to bone you, sure. I'm crying because my dad died. He wouldn't rub my waist. Okay. Mm. No, no, I don't think I would. Pat your back, maybe, or give you a hug. Yeah. You'd rub my back. All right, fair. Well, I will know. I will know what to do if you rub my waist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Any other notes on that part? Kind of had just like first wow because you know she's scheduling her grief. Just the the fact that she um and and I I thought it was interesting that she was honest with Tom about this. That um she didn't make up a story or or something or leave. Yeah. That she explained because she's so busy. She was she was scheduling time to cry. But I actually also connected her beginning, like when she was beginning to break down in the conference room before Tom and Greg came in to the scene that had happened just before with her brothers, because I was thinking it was sort of a continuation of what she wasn't expressing in the room with them, because there was like the confirmation that they were icing her out and everything like that. And she didn't seem like she was really fully accepting their their huggy thing. And so when I saw her beginning to cry in the conference room, I was connecting it. And I was thinking that, you know, maybe in addition to her grief for her father, she was also like crying over that as well. It was well-timed, well-planned. I just think she's, she's lonely. I mean, yeah, she needs somebody. There's really nobody there for her. Her brothers are icing her out. Her father's dead. I mean, really Tom's the only one that's been offering her comfort. I can see right. how she's going to fall back into that. We've never seen her with a friend, have we? Like, no, I mean, Tom's her friend. Literally nobody. Yeah. He's her friend. So I can see that's why they're falling back into that yeah. um, relationship again. She's lonely. Feels like she has no one and he's there. Right. 
Then they're reading Logan's speech for the conference, which kicks off with, sadly, Roman and Kendall were too busy being strange to be here. Roman asks Kendall if their Operation Fruit Loop doesn't work on Matson, what are they going to do to keep the deal from going through? And at this point, they both hate living close, too, until Kendall latches on to the term personalized longevity programs. Really excited about this. Roman leaves to meet with Joy, the studio executive in charge of Hallucinatron, and Kendall calls them the new space cowboys in town. The image of Roman riding on the back of that card, like, cracked me up like it was so funny it was just studio lot yeah it was just cute it was cute i like seeing lots he's so perfectly sized for exactly that golf cart thing the way he was (laughs) sitting with his feet propped up i was just like he fits just perfectly in that little seat (laughs) do you guys i I think I sort of got a, you know, a sense of it throughout the entire episode, but did you guys get a, a good sense of what Living Plus actually is? Or did you, were you yeah. kind of left confused about what this product was? I was at first, but um, then I kind of got it towards the end. It's kind of just like a really rich, souped up retirement home is what I'm yeah. getting. Like they're going to have rides, they're going to have entertainment, they're going to have movies. Where yeah. Spider-Man stops by. It's like a cruise. Yeah. yeah. It's like basically a cruise when you're on land is what they said. Mm-hmm. They're going to let you make you live longer with like technology and like the best doctors. You're going to have access to like the best drugs, best doctors, you know, shit like that. Okay. You're basically going to do what the multi-billionaires do and get the best health care. They can probably right. get like cell transplants plants who the heck knows what it is yeah stuff weird stuff to rejuvenate them yeah they'll get all the high tech i wonder if rich people get like full body scans just for the hell of it like yeah Yeah, they do probably yeah that would you know detect cancer that the rest of us can't get unless we have some sort of symptom you know oh sure absolutely anything Mm -hmm. that's that's one thing i was thinking about during that just for the heck of it like they don't have any symptoms or anything just let's just do a full scan just make sure i'm okay right I mean, imagine how much you would catch that way, but it's too expensive to do. For- I mean, that's that's what I do with my dog, Charlie. Now she's like almost 12. Like every like six months, I take her to get like a blood test because mm-hmm. I just want to. So you're rich. No, I just want to make sure she's okay. You know, like I did that too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But blood tests are different. Like the average person can access labs like that yeah. if you get the right doctor. But getting like a, I don't know, CAT scanner, whatever it is that looks at your body. They're expensive. And says, oh yeah. shit, there's a growth, you know, in your abdomen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think rich people do that. I also got a sense this Living Plus was like, there are like celebrities and stuff just roaming around. Yeah, he <laughs> said like directors stop by with rough cuts and shit. Yeah, I was like, what? They can watch uh, Calispatron. Yeah. Probably what they're going to do. Like a senior utopia. When he got into the personalized longevity program, so he and then there was like comments about downloading your your psyche or like your your brain onto a chip. I'm like, is that really what they're talking about? Is like living in a digital sense after your body has passed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like okay. I don't think they're. I I don't think they're proposing that. They're just you know how they just ramble and like keep talking. Yeah. He's just fucking around. Roman said something too that was really interesting. You know was. Was it this scene where he they were talking about maybe it was a later scene where he was uh talking about death and and how um Logan's death really got to him and it seemed like a one size fits all thing and I was like yeah it's like the great equalizer you know it's mm-hmm. 
at that point, it shouldn't matter how much money you have. It kind of comes for us all. And he apparently didn't like that. <laughs> like, right. like if we can, if uh, being wealthy, if we can like download ourselves somehow and, and exist after death, then let's go for it. I mean, it's, it's, it's true. And I don't think living plus can fix it. Like my, my CEO at a private equity firm that I worked at, he's like, seemed like the most like powerful person on the planet it's billionaire like it's all these like amazing friends and then he just got brain cancer and like, died suddenly and you're like and he's only like 50 right you're like, oh shit you don't have enough money money can't fix everything absolutely money can't even buy prince william hair <laughs> no i keep that, that really bothers me. me no just kidding <laughs> maybe he doesn't he obviously doesn't want to right because he would have done it well, i don't know i think he can't fix you would have done it though Rich people can do shit like that. He should have started earlier. I think Megan's right. I think he didn't start early enough. Anyway, money. Okay, so he gets golf carted to this meeting with Joy on the studio lot. Meeting goes really well, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to talk to Liz Patron. She doesn't want to talk to Liz Patron. She wants to talk how ACN's Jared Minkin love is turning off the liberal talent in Hollywood. He doesn't want to talk about that, oddly. Though he does love this reasonably segregated city. And things go south quickly from there. After she, after he like calls her out on thinking he's a phony, basically, she's like, I'm sure you are where you are for a very good reason. <laughs> Obviously, just an insult. And he tells her he could just fire her. And when she laughs, that's about it. It's fine. It's quickly. She's fired. Yeah. Yeah. It was ugly. But I have to say, this was the one of the lines earlier um, when I laughed out loud and it gave me the case of the giggles that was so hard. I had to like pause and let myself recover when um, she's talking to him about ATN and uh, leading into lots of people are concerned about democratic institutions, leaves it hanging. And he's just, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. uh." And then... (laughs) pregnant pause and he says oh you want me to say more things and I just I I just started I laughed so hard that was my probably my biggest laugh out loud moment of the episode I loved it but yeah when she says the thing about you are where you are for a very good reason and I wrote in my notes right nepotism Mm -hmm. and definitely like that's where he because I thought he was actually doing okay when he starts on like I know what you're thinking um the fuck does this guy know about anything he's not his dad and I mean I actually thought that was heading in a good direction but as soon as she said the thing that indicated that he's just where he is because of his father etc that's where he snapped and he's just flexing like he's flexing his ceo prowess his power he's like well you know i could fire you and Mm -hmm. at first it's a threat and then it builds into an actual yeah i think as soon as she laughed he was like well fine fuck you i will fight you yeah i was not shocked at that at that point either Mm -hmm. he's very defensive and insecure from the abuse especially this episode right definitely yeah yeah very 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 much so like just not taking the shit anymore like he's tired of you know feeling like he's inadequate like he mm-hmm. isn't serious people and yeah he's just anybody who questions that he's like fuck you goodbye you know he's just had it he's spiraling out of control right he's spiraling so much but ironically this is also what's proving their point because it's like right it's showing that he's not really up to the test because somebody who's really earned their position and is good at their job would not snap and would not have these knee-jerk reactions like this in a professional environment. Yeah. Right. I mean, I could see, yeah, well, this just supports your point, but I could see Kendall reacting the same way if I read her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, you're right. Because she has like so many relationships. You got to talk to people first. Mm-hmm. You could have just walked out. 
back at the investor conference, Kim's cutting shoes lines, giving some to Roman, and then making insane demands, build me a whole house on stage in the next 24 hours. Probably less than 24 hours, actually. Oh, and clouds, too. Real and Kindle just tells everyone a new rule that nobody can say no, as they are obviously unable to do what he's asking, but he tells them to do it. And then Roman shows up, but isn't quite ready to break the news to Kindle. Not so confident in his decision making after the fact of this episode. I don't know if this was intended, but because I, I was watching this with the subtitles on and uh, Kendall and Roman are talking good pep talk. Uh, yeah, good, good. Full of joy. And I wondered if that was a play on words because her name was Joy. Yeah, it was. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I think it was. I think that was a very Roman thing to say that to kind of skirt the subject, make a joke. Yeah. Then it's party time and she had eyes a hot down across the room. She starts flirting with Tom in her really weird way, always like trying to get him to admit being attracted to other women, which she's not that into. But he just looks at her and tells her genuinely, if I were going to say anything from the heart, it would be, I'm sorry. Sorry for fucking you up. Mm. I like the way he talks to her. She takes offense at him giving himself the credit for fucking her up. She was fucked up long before him. He was just the one after the one, but she's the whole story for him. And then she asks if he wants to play Bidey, which is pretty funny in the middle of this party of presumably important people. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, it was fun. I like biting. Do you guys like biting? I would play biting. I, I like biting, but I don't play bitey in public. But um, Maybe you should. Yeah, I bite in the house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I do know, yes. <laughs> also like biting in the house. Anyway, Tom wins Bitey, and she's so mean again. Tom Wobskins finally makes me feel something. What are those? Yeah, it's so cold. That was wow. so, so cold. Huh. Ouch. Ooh. Ouch. Yeah. But that's her. She can't be nice. No. I think... I think Shiv's actually insecure. Do you think so? Yeah, I think every, that, everyone in this family is. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Lacking parental love and such. Yeah, like when she was talking about the models and like the oh, yeah. blondes and stuff like that, I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. She tries to conceal it, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she saw him surveying the room for that. You know, she, she saw the look in his eyes. He was looking at Chick because when Greg and Tom were in the room where she was... Cr- you know, scheduled to grieve, he was even like, here's a preview of tonight's selection. And Tom was like, who? And they're totally talking about the chicks that were going to be there. So then when Tom's there, he's like perusing the room and looking and she notices. And that's why she brings up like, oh, but I think that she is like, God, he's kind of moving on. Like, I don't know if she likes that. Mm -hmm. Like, hmm. I don't think she likes that. She tries to act like she doesn't care, but she does not like it. Getting her hooks back in, I think. She wants Tom under her thumb for sure. Although it probably turns her on too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. She didn't think he was capable of, you know, getting the. That's when relationships, it's like. People are always getting back together once they see the other person moving on and liking somebody mm-hmm. and then they enter, they come in between them at the time. <laughs> it's just to break that up. And then they'll leave them again in like three months. Like, right. It doesn't even work, but yeah. that rebound. And then, yeah. I was yeah. super interested in their back and forth about how he would be so lucky if he were the one who fucked her up. I was fucked up long before I met you. 
And he knows about her past, apparently, and says, what with TK? And she says, yeah, yeah, with TK, the Washington situation. You were the one after the one. Yeah, I don't know who, who TK is, right? Like, No, I don't think we know who TK is. Not Nate. No, it's not Nate. Yeah, I was like, fuck off. It's not Nate. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem to fit with anyone at Phileas that I know of that we've met in her orbit or in her past. However, I've had a suspicion since the last season that something happened between Shiv and Mencken in the past that just elevates her her despising him even more than his politics. Um, But I don't know that that's who this person is, but maybe he's mixed up in the Washington situation. Maybe this will come out in the next episodes. I don't know. But I am curious about this TK thing that really like sparked my my interest. Yeah, I feel like we're never going to learn it, but probably not. intrigued. Next scene, Ken... This is where like Ken started to seem like I started to question, oh, maybe he's high again. Cause he, but he's really just like so hyped up about this living plus thing that he's getting, you know, high off of that. <laughs> Price rocket. He thinks it's the solution to driving the stock up and getting Matson out. My favorite line was Greg, well, can I just say I think it's hard to make houses seem like tech because we've had houses for a while now. Yes. <laughs> I love that too. Uh, but nothing's slowing Kendall down. He's like living forever or more forever anyway. Good news for Greg, though, that he's in this meeting. Should have been allowed in these meetings. Yeah. They'll have to come up with a trio run for next week. I also like in this episode how there are these moments of grief from the kids, mostly Roman and Chip, but Rome comments here on how very undad-like it was to die. Just extra funny because I have this neighbor, Doug, who's like too good to be true. He's like perfect. And he's entirely genuine and I really love him to death, but I often use the phrase that's very undead like of you today so i was very excited to hear someone else say mm-hmm. very undead like <laughs> greg's his little pitch bot pitch bot say it like a robot yeah. <laughs> mm. and then he starts acting like a robot yeah yeah, yeah. i actually do like kendall and greg together like of aside from greg and tom like Kendall and Greg's dynamic is interesting to me. Yeah. 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 Obviously, like, he is using him a bit, but I do think Kendall does care more than, obviously, Roman and Shiv about Greg. Yeah, he doesn't dismiss Greg as much as Roman and Shiv do. Mm-hmm. Or Tom. Yeah. He's not straight up mean to him the way that Tom is. I think Tom's losing Greg, but he's gaining Shiv, so... Ken sees Greg's value, I guess, even if it's just these little things he has him do on the side. Like, he knows where he can use Greg. Yeah. And I don't think he would throw him away the way that Tom did initially in the, you know, shredding documents. He was just expendable. I don't think Kendall would expend him as easily. I think he would protect him and keep him as his little right-hand man. But we'll see. Yeah. His little pitch bot. His little pitch bot. <laughs> nicer than nicer than a Greglet. <laughs> then we have an angry Jerry pulling Roman out. It's great that you see her showing anger like that. And I actually think it isn't cool that she was willing to do that to him in the middle of a meeting. Although, obviously, she doesn't deserve the next scene. I think that her lack of respect for him is pretty public. Anyway, she's pissed about Joy because Joy has so many important relationships for him that didn't stop to think about before firing her. Not to mention there are a lot of protocols for firing someone that he didn't bother to learn anything about. He tries to back out. I didn't fire her. I just said she was fired. And Jerry calls him a weak monarch in a dangerous interregnum, which sounds like mm. interim period. I Yeah, I looked that up. It says a period when normal government is suspended, especially between successive reigns or regimes. Right. Mm. Uh, and that was a low blow. And then she tells him he's not his dad. And he tells her he needs her to believe she's as good as, as his dad. And she finally replies, say it or believe it. 
Oh. And then he fires her. Has he forgotten about the big picks though? He can't just fire her because no. she just out all that and say that they were not welcome. Come on. Yeah, just two weeks ago, he's telling his dad, you can't fire her because of the dick pic situation. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But he's like clearly spiraling like crazy. He's yeah, spiraling. He's, definitely he's just spiraling. being impulsive. He's like sabotaging himself. Right. Immediately regrets this. I mean, it might work out for him though, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. It might work, but I feel like he's sabotaging himself. But it's the same thing here as it was with Joy. Like she's she's implying that he's not good at his job. She's implying right. that he's he shouldn't be where he's at. You're not serious people. Yeah. You're not your dad. I mean, all of her words are just like cutting him down. And again, he's flexing. He's like, hey, I'm a CEO. You can't talk to me like that. And he's like throwing it back at her. But uh, yeah, as horrible as that was, the second he walks away from it, I just, you know, he just... He, he wasn't happy with that. No, 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 he wasn't walking away like, yeah, I really, t- I really showed her or whatever. He was, he wasn't proud of it. Like the second he walked away, he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I no, he's like, I regretted it. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> Absolutely. And even yeah. to Ken, he's, I mean, we're getting there, but, but he's, he's saying like, ah, I think that may have been too far. Right. I like um, how Kieran puts his like hands on his hips and kind of feminine way that's always like uh, yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I've always loved his like physical acting yeah. like his facial expressions I, I was going to mention that in his scene with joy where he just smirks and he, the way he twitches up his face and, and everything yeah. and like when he's moving around a room and like you've said like the way he kind of does that like um, Mick Jagger like with his the, the hands on the on his mm-hmm. hips with the backs of his hands and, and holds his wrists back and yeah exactly I just I he's like so embodied and you know he personally has brought all that to Roman and he just embodies Roman in those ways and it's so amazing before we move off of the Roman Jerry scene I just I don't know about you guys but this scene as bad as it was made me feel hopeful because I feel like this was like the rock bottom for them and I feel like this is where things could take an upswing if either character are willing to kind of it would have to be it would have to be Roman he's the one who's like really caused like the big kaboom at the end so if as long as Roman can actually bring himself to make things right with Jerry I feel like there's hope there apologize and we still have four episodes so I kind of given up on them but at least I got my Tom and Shiv yeah Mm. I don't know that I hope I hope you're right it definitely ends rock bottom. Yeah, so he tells Ken about Fire and Joy, and Ken like thinks about it for a beat, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm down with that. That's baller. And then he tells him about Jerry. Ship's got another Jerry. Fuck it. All right, big moves. It's fine. Who are you going to fire next? You going to fire me? Or what if he said something like, you're going to eat Greg and fire me? Yeah. <laughs> he's really into this Roman firing streak. Um, but Roman puts his hands on his head, and you can tell he feels out of control. And he says, feel a bit big, no? But Kendall's like super supportive, so. Why though? Why is he so supportive of letting Roman make these impulsive decisions? I don't know. Because he's spiraling too. He likes big swings. He really likes big swings. They're also trying to still tank the deal, so. Well, it's like he's, they're trying to tank each other. They're both supportive of each other's. Failures. (laughs) Like impulsive actions. It's like they're waiting for. Like, okay, you self-destruct, I get number one. I mean, it's like they're vying. They're all like vying yeah. for number one. I feel like. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Be like, cool. Okay. Yeah. You go have a fit with Matson. Oh, okay. You just go fire everybody. You know, yeah. is it going to come back and be like, my brother's crazy. I need to take over. 
I'm the sane one. I didn't see it that way, but that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really interesting take that, yeah, maybe Ken's like doing the thing that um, that we were saying earlier Shiv was doing, that she's just sort of sitting back and kind of letting them implode. And right. then she can be the one to rise. And maybe Ken is sort of like doing a bit of the same thing with Roman, like, yeah, go ahead, be sort of this self-destructive firing person and... <laughs> And sh- shake up the execs and 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 also maybe it's like cutting people down that could be a threat to Ken in some way too. But he doesn't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't have to do it. And later Ken right. has another moment with Carl. Uh, with Carl. I love mm-hmm. that scene too. Where he starts to kind of build up to that. Yeah. That's my other favorite threatening thing, but it's it doesn't quite go that far. But anyway, um, that's that's interesting, Megan. That's that's a good yeah. point. Now Shiv and Tom are fucked. A nice, nice, very nice talk. When Matson calls and Tom gets excited, calls him the striking Viking. I was hoping that was his name in her phone, but we saw it earlier in the episode. She just has his name in her phone. And she asks Tom, she wants to know if he's actually all in on Matson. And he's like, yeah, I guess. Brothers hate me. You hate me. You're just going to fire me. So yeah. And Shiv tells him that she's torn, that they have a connection. And he's like all excited. And she's like, not sexual. By the way, I said this earlier, but this is what I wrote. I don't think they fucked anymore. Mm, me too. Matt's and Shiv, not Tom and Shiv. And Tom tells her, Tom comes over and tells her he thinks he would like this back. And she's like, well, then you shouldn't have betrayed me, phony. And then once again, he gets super genuine. If I try to say it, if I try to say the truth, I do love the money. And he boxed me out. I felt like I was going to be crushed between you and your dad. And I really love my career and my money. But he points out if she thinks that's shallow, would she come and live with him in a trailer park for love? Are you coming? And she says yes. And they both laugh hysterically because they know it's not fucking true. (laughs) They're the same and they're being genuine and it's nice. Yeah. Even if it's not fairy tale dream of romance. Um, I love how genuine he is with her. Yeah, he's honest. Yeah, but this scene finally shows Tom where I feel like he's no longer taken off guard or or it no longer cuts him down when mm-hmm. she kind of has these moments of cruelty with him like yeah. the way she kind of mixes it up she's flirty but then she kind of like takes him down a peg but he takes it in stride she's like this and then she's like talking about having a connection with another man and he's you know i feel like he's gotten to a point where he's gotten better at deflecting those moments with her and he's sort of found this place in the middle where like he's still like he says you know I think I want this I think I would like this back but I think he's he's not the the Tom anymore of their wedding night who was totally just gobsmacked by her revelation mm-hmm. that she was couldn't have a monogamous marriage right naive yeah and now he's like accepting of who she actually is and he no longer has any delusions that she could be anything else and still he seems to want her and love her in his own way yeah but i think also what can really plays into it i think that he sees that it's her insecurity now that like feeds the things that she says you know yeah right i think he doesn't feel as inferior to her as he always has that it's more of mm-hmm. an even playing field yeah i like that tom here was truthful as well like um mm-hmm. like with the the way he fucked her over like in season yeah. three it was about the money as yeah. well you know yeah and like there can be so much love there if they also don't have that then you know yeah it just all comes down to like like he said I like nice things and 
honestly, I feel like he feels like the person that's going to shiv him is shiv, you know, right. like <laughs> actually name. He's the one that will take away the nice things. The dad will be more business-like and will keep him along as long as he's useful. So he'll continue to get the nice things, but he feels like shiv will just discard me. Right. Uh-huh. So he was going with the safe bet. And honestly, she has to get that. I mean, they yeah. have like a sadistic romance. So she has to realize, yeah, you know what? If he wants his nice things, he's probably better off going with my dad because. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think yep. she does, which is the only reason that this is yeah. all happening again. And I'm glad he was honest. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I actually don't think it makes him a terrible person. I think most people have some level of logic and finance in their decision making as well as relationships and such. Right. He has to protect his own Best interests. Well, best interests. I mean, he's not going to, like you said, I'm not going to end up in the trailer park. Will you like me then? No, you, you won't like me unless I have this money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It just shows you that a part of like a lot of their relationship is to do with their financial. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Situation. Right. But acknowledging it is okay. Yeah. They're honest about it. So yay. And I love like, this is the Tom that I like, you know, not the mean work Tom, but the genuine with Shiv totally different yeah uh and the way he plays it and speaks it i do love him anyway back at investor day prep greg's trying to make a sound engineer change what logan says from a significant boost to double the earnings uh violet could do it no problem (laughs) though with the video that makes it considerably harder not to mention i'm sure illegal but greg's not accepting no because he doesn't want to get in trouble he wants to get in the good books it's very cute yeah, this was Greg's moment to flex. I've never seen him be this assertive before where he says, well, yeah, you can. I need you to just fucking make it happen. And I was like, whoa, Greg. The way, the, still the way he was saying it and his face, like he almost didn't believe that he was saying it himself. Like he's <laughs> such like a little boy still. It's so funny. Yeah. But didn't, like that whole scene, didn't Kendall say he just wanted them to say unbelievable growth instead of double your earnings? Like, can't that come back liability-wise and fuck them? For sure, because all the people knew. They all knew when it yeah. happened. They were like, oh shit. And they just fired Jerry. And so Jerry can just fucking tell everyone right. what happened. Oh my God, yeah. Too many people know to do that. So that that might come back. These aren't good decisions that either one no. of them are making. Right. No. But this is definitely where Greg also has that great line. Oh, and then the thing about it, he said, I want to get in the good books. Yeah. Things are cute. <laughs> you help me get in the good books. Understand, Mr. Snippy Snip? Oh, but I don't think it's going to. It's going to backfire that no. double your earnings opposed to unbelievable growth because that's a number doubling. Yeah. Unbelievable growth. They can be like, well, that that's 2%. You know, you can just, right. you cannot put something out there like that. Speaking of numbers, Ken's breaking much bigger laws, inflating the actual numbers for a public company. The accountant is obviously very uncomfortable, as he should be, because numbers aren't just numbers. They're numbers. They're just making up completely fictional numbers to present yeah. to make the stock go up. What numbers are they doubling? Their potential earnings with Living Plus, how much they're going to make if they do Living Plus if they launch it. So they're saying, even though the actual numbers are, say, you know, $100 million or I don't know, billion. Yeah. Anyway, they're just doubling it to a completely like false fucking number, which you can't do, especially because the stock is going to rely on that. It's just like very, very, very illegal to make yes. the first mm-hmm. in this scenario. So Ken's going like way too far. I was confused in the scene too, but I think uh, Kate just explained that perfectly. Now Shiv's including Tom. You see his big shoes first, but I was excited that she's letting him in on her call with Madsen, no less. 
he is in the office listening. And Matson tried to get her to do some Scooby-Dooing herself, bomb threat, turn the lights off, just make the launch not happen. But she tells him she's not dropping. She'll do what she can for him, but she's not going to drop stage weights on anybody's head. <laughs> like, I don't know, old school TV reference. I liked how she started that call. Hey, Lucas. Hey, sweetie. Sweetie, yeah. <laughs> I know. I loved it. That was that made me chuckle. That did give me Yeah, that's true. Same. I just Tom and Shiver, like, really rolling now. I like it. I'm here for it. I don't think it's going to last, to be perfectly honest with you. I do. I hope it does. I really want it to. I got a bad feeling. I think they'll end up at the top. Tom and Shiver rolling the kingdom i think there's yeah there's a potential because i feel like they both changed their perspectives on their relationship there's no longer delusion on either side it's like they, right they both know who each other is and what their their main uh goals and objectives are and with that knowledge they can sort of maybe form a power couple but who knows i think so um back on stage Kendall gets the bad news that they couldn't make the full house and clouds don't look like clouds and it's like very sad. That Insta account of Kendall looking sad. That's some great ones this week. He's sad, but he takes it okay. He pivots. He asks Rome what he thinks, but Rome just wants to know where these numbers came from. And Ken very reassuringly points at his head. Uh, Shiv joins Roman and agrees. It's the fucking nightmare. He's got that gleam in his eye. Anything could happen on stage, and you'll be a part of it then. And while she might be going to bat for Madison here, it's also true. Like, I was like, yes, don't. Just, this is not good. Whatever's about to happen is not good. Although, by the end, I think Roman gets it. Oh, absolutely. It ended up being great. <laughs> you hit it out of the park, but it just didn't seem like yeah. that was where it was headed at this point. I got the vibe yeah. from from Roman when when Shiv's talking to Roman and she's she's sort of like nudging him to uh intervene and stop stop Kendall from what he's doing mm -hmm. but Roman's re uh behavior and his his uh body language and everything reminded me of how meek he could be to stand up to Logan so it seemed like his his like hesitancy to stand up to Kendall was similar to how he used to be with he's reverting back to with his dad right yeah, I was thinking during this, the Kindle's making all the time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? The kids are just having to go along with everything. Like, it's all Kindle at this point. Roman sees or not, and what you're pointing out is absolutely true. He has the same reticence now, too, so. Yeah. Side note, was I the only one who actually thought the clouds were a pretty cool effect? No, yeah. Yeah, look good to me. I wrote that down, yeah. I thought they looked good. I don't know what his <laughs> original intention was, if that would have been cooler. Yeah, but... I think he wants contained cloud shapes, yeah. It wasn't what was in his brain. It just, it wasn't right. exactly yeah. what was in his brain. He wants people to read his mind and give him exactly what he's thinking. And I'm like, okay, but I thought that was neat what they did. I mean, they'd have to like blow the smoke every like five seconds. Yeah. But yeah, it looked all right. Yeah. He wants Gandalf blowing like smoke clouds, I guess. <laughs> they could have just like done some like cardboard. Yeah, the clouds. Right, like, really shouldn't yeah. That, that's what I was expecting. Hang them <laughs> off the thing. Yeah. yeah. With like cotton around them. I can do that. Yeah, that would have looked decent, man. Craft. Do some craft. Should have hired us. <laughs> anyway, uh, in the dressing room getting ready, Ken's like so pumped. He's got flight jackets for him and Roman. He, it's very cute if you don't think that he's completely insane. I did think that was cute. Yeah. Yeah. But then he's equally sad when Roman makes it clear he's not going to go out there with him. It's the best sad Kendall look from the episode. And it worked on me. It made me sad for Kendall, even though I thought he was fucking insane at this point. No, oh, he was. <laughs> it's just amazing watching them kind of like implode. Yeah. It's kind of, it's really sad and it's an uncomfortable feeling because you're just so nervous 
you're like, oh my God, just right before he goes out there, his brother is like, sorry, bud. And like, how is he going to handle it? Like, you're just waiting for just shit to hit the fan. You're like, and then it doesn't. And you're like, oh, okay. And you see how uncomfortable Roman is just approaching that with him. And just, he's like, just sort of like, like trying to say it very gently. And then he sees the reaction. Like you said, he's totally, he totally just deflates and sits down. And and this is the idea though. Like he's totally, it totally takes the wind out of his sails. And then Roman starts like, you know, but you know, they're your words. What if I fuck it up? Then he puts it on himself. Right. He's, he's like, you know, you you did great, but I'm the one who's going to fuck it up. So, so like he's, I think that he would try to like fix it just a little bit. Right. The whole, it's not you, it's me. Yes, exactly. Kendall knows exactly why he didn't want to do it. Because he reckons if it fucks up, then it's not on Roman. Yeah, exactly. All right, so then Kendall's walking out to the stage, and on his way out, Carl wants to go over the numbers. Carl's the CFO, if you want to call. He tries to be, like, PC about it at first, cool about it, but Ken's not listening. And Carl switches tactics and gets, like, super, I don't know, threatening yeah yeah you fuck me over up there you take the deal you try to stand up numbers i'm not comfortable with i will squeal and i love this carl thing i love all of carl's hilarity this season and i really love also stepping up and being like kendall look at me take me seriously yeah i love this scene yeah and i also wonder did carl just save the day if kendall was going to talk the numbers that he made up or if carl just changed his mind yeah because i think he heard him he had that moment right in the middle where he was about to like threaten Carl's job and Carl's like no <laughs> he, he wasn't hearing any of that what what was exactly what he said you've got my dick in your hand but I've got yours in my hand too yep <laughs> yeah it was like kind of the opposite of what happened with like Joy and Jerry like Carl actually said hey I can fuck you here so yeah yeah be careful right exactly <laughs> which I'm shocked Jerry didn't do because she yeah. called them many ways over Jerry totally could do it yeah yeah Carl knows how to play the game. He's playing it. He knows. I mean, I love Carl. I love Carl so much. Yeah. yeah. I, this season is his. I mean, he's the, I love him this season. I'm like, oh. mm-hmm. he reminds me of, I don't know if you guys ever watched The Nanny, but he reminds me of Niles. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. That's a great comparison. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. I totally get that. I loved um, when he very first flips in this scene and, oh, really? Well, listen to me. And yeah. he's holding he's holding up his left hand with, he's holding his phone and he's pointing at Ken with his middle finger at mm-hmm. first. Like he kind of switches to his first finger as he's like, he continues with Ken. But I I, uh, I love that. I, I don't know if it was deliberate. A lot of stuff in this show is, is intended. So I wondered about that little, like pointing his middle finger at Ken as he starts to really like lean into him. But it was a great, yeah. great scene, great speech. Uh, this was uh, Carl's moment to flex in the episode. Kate, I think when you asked, like, what the f- your favorite scene was, I actually think this might have been mine. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of this one either. Yeah, it's just so good. It's a good one. Good. I approve. I'll allow it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Either way, whether Carl saved the day or not, Kendall gets on stage and we're all just waiting for him to fuck it all up and go insane. Uh, it seems like he's going to, and he kicks off by repeating big shoes like 10 times. Uh, and the rest of the squad quad and others are in a private room, although Jerry, Frank, and Carl are in the audience. And then Kendall brings Logan out on the green screen in a very Jurassic Park-like feeling moment. 
and <laughs> Logan's very Logan tells him to get the fuck on with it or something, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, but once Kendall hits the actual living plus feel, he really hits it out of the park. Even when we think he's about to promise life everlasting, he laughs and pivots and says, not quite yet. And Matson calls Shiv at that point. He doesn't like it. And also, like, throughout this, Greg's, like, pep-talking Tom on his shitty speech and why it'll be okay. Like, at first, it's because you're going to be, like, mopping up the blood from Kendall's shitty speech. And now Tom's, like, worried because he doesn't even have background graphics. And I actually did also laugh when he said, I would hope I'm being spotlit when somebody was like, well, you'll have lights. <laughs> I know, I did, too. I love that. <laughs> there better be. And then Kendall has Logan speak the lie, double the earnings out of our parks division. Um, Shiv and Carolina and the old guard are horrified at that. And Craig just says, it's really well edited. Yes. <laughs> All his doing. <laughs> and then Kendall ends it on a sweet note about how much another year with his father would be priceless to him. Tells mm-hmm. Logan he misses and loves him and drops the proverbial mic. Madsen is getting like angrier as it goes on or more upset, more worried. And Shiv suggests, you know, Shiv's like, I can't do anything about it. Maybe someone can throw a stick in the spokes of Ken's unicycle. So Matin interprets Shiv's suggestion as tweeting an Auschwitz reference. Doderick mocked Fry, comparing Living Plus to a concentration camp for old people. Because Auschwitz had the words, Arbeit mocked Fry on the entrance, and Doderick is the waste mascot. He's such an idiot, he's fucking up his own deal. It's so stupid. He deletes it after Shiv tells him to, but that doesn't mean anything these days, obviously. Especially since Kendall's first question, lobbed to him by a plant in the audience, by the way, is to react to the tweet. He looks it up and manages to contain his excitement very well and responds perfectly. Doesn't trash him, but distances himself. Puts in the idea, if we complete the deal. And Greg now points out to Tom his presentation doesn't matter at all. Great news. All right, so yes, that was a lot of scenes. What were your notes on those scenes? The presentation. I think Kendall handled it better than expected. I mean, he was just on. Absolutely. Yeah, he just like got his own and like delivered, you know? Yeah. Like you said, I think later, right? Just blur. He proved himself worthy of, you know, leading. He really did. Yeah. In this episode, at least. <laughs> yeah, I think he proved, proved Shiv wrong from earlier because he had the moment with Roman in the like we were talking about that that could have totally killed because he was already pumped. You know, he was already pumped, but he was right. pumped with with all the uh, all the bullshit that he had kind of built around this thing. Yeah. So he has this moment with Roman, which kind of brings him down a little bit. Then he has the moment with Carl and maybe that put a little bit of a fear of reality, maybe, you know, in him like. Yeah. And then the way he kind of centers himself right before he goes out on stage, he does that thing with his fingers on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder, too, if having his dad there sort of helped <laughs> center him a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way he had that mock interaction with him. I don't And it got a, it got a response from the audience. Everybody else was groaning behind the scenes and thought it was awful. But yeah. the audience responded well to it. And I think that may have built him up a little, too. I think it did. Yeah. I think it really did having him there, even though he, you know, it was just in spirit and on, on the screen. I mean, they are all free falling due to him not being there. Yeah. They have no control anymore. They're all out of control. And so then seeing him there, put him back into that, you know, okay, dad's in control again. I need to, you know, not free fall. Yeah, when Logan was alive, they all strove to gain his approval and right. to, to, to make him proud. So like in that moment, Kendall wants to make Logan proud. Right. Yeah. He crushed it. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect it. 
And then I just loved like a bunch of the the dialogue going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, especially Roman. I love that. Like we talked about his physical acting. He was like holding a cushion. Well, like maybe like for comfort. Yeah. <laughs> while he's watching it. I think he was doing that in the third episode. That was, that was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. When he was holding that big ass cushion that was like bigger than him. Oh. And he was also like totally like. Uh, what the what he was saying to Shiv she said while watching the fuck out of it and getting turned on I can hear how wet you are it's gross (laughs) like wow and then I loved his line if I cringe any harder I might become a fossil (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I also like Roman and the pillows to protect his yeah to protect himself he's such a cute little kid uh Greg walks Tom out to the stage as Kendall comes off he's like both their right hand man right now he's doing it good work work Greg everybody's celebrating Kindle and the stock's gonna do well but you know everything she's hearing is good and Roman leaves upset because he bailed on being a fit with him everyone who had been heckling his entire presentation is now congratulating him yeah right and I also like when they say long, long live the king wait no long live the kings and queens yeah my favorite bit was actually when <laughs> Roman's like the tweet's been deleted and Hugo wants um, Roman to show him. Uh, he, Roman's like, here you go, man. And then he, like, shows him the screen. He's like, no, nothing to see, dipshit. He deleted it, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Show me the absence of a tweet. I also liked when Carl was, like, they were saying the stock price was rocketing, I think is what they were saying. Yeah. And Carl was like, I feel like he was being sarcastic. He's like, I know special, and he is special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing the game, man. He's going to freaking secure in his spot in this new sibling hierarchy that they got going on. Did you say about when, like, Roman bumped Shiv? Like, he was just pissed off at Shiv because of how she was like, you know, don't do it, you know, it's going to backfire. Yeah. And, then, and then it worked, and Roman's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that you can blame Ship there, though. He seems to. No, you can't blame Ship. And then Kendall sends him a message that I guess he's had edited, presumably. And it's Logan saying, Roman Roy has a micro dick and always gets it wrong. And he plays it over and over and over Mm. again because it's exactly exactly what he's thinking. Then it's about the worst thing his brother could have sent him right then because it's exactly how he feels. I, I wondered too if there was something about Logan's abuse that he might find motivating. Yes. Yes. They're all sadistic in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just he doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have his dad, uh, his dad's presence to kind of right. motivate him to either be better or make him proud or whatever. And right. this right. recording, even though it's fake, it's like like a little piece of of that. And, and I think that's maybe why he keeps playing it over and over. Well, Kendall does the same thing. He seems to like the videos of his dad being like, my kids are fucking idiots. It's like, yeah, remind us that we're idiots to prove you wrong. Remind us how fucked up we are so we can prove you wrong. Right. The bar is also very low. They wouldn't know what to do with themselves. If if there had been a a video from Logan where he was saying loving things to them, they would be like, who is this guy? We don't even know. This is not helpful. (laughs) Where's our dad? I do wonder if like, Kendall like right after it all worked out he like ran to Greg and he's like Greg you need to go make the edit and make this video yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
No, I love thinking about logistics, and that was what I thought of when I was watching it, too. I was yeah. like, I need to see Kendall yeah. going to the editor, but you're right, he would have sent Greg. And then another crowd, and Tom, are talking about hosting Logan's election event, which confuses me, because wouldn't it be a Republican event, and why would she be just uh, oh, that? Okay, well, anyway, she's pretending they're not going to get into their ships, but they're going to host this party together as like a couple, but Tom is just psyched about the, the new status of their relationship being kind of back. Ooh, I wonder if Nate's going to be there. He was in the trailer for next week. I doubt anything's really going to happen now, but I'm just no. going to hold on to that tiny little bubble of... But it's an interesting time for Nate to come back in when Shiv and Tom are, are kind of in a better-ish place. Probably like the best place they've for, been. For Nate to come back in and maybe stir things up or test her and see like right. how, how strong is this thing. Yeah. All right. Um, then the final scene is Kendall walking into the ocean, floating into the waves, which is interesting because throughout the death episode, he kept going outside to look at the ocean kind of to anchor himself. And I think he was feeling lost. And obviously there was drowning in an earlier season, but he looks at peace in the final shot of the episode. Of floating in waves. Yeah, I didn't have the feeling of foreboding like, oh, no, he isn't about to commit suicide. I've had that feeling multiple times watching right. Kendall throughout the seasons. And this no. was a moment when he felt like he was celebrating. Like it was. Yeah. He was also yes. face up instead of face yes. down. So he was like bringing it on. And as you see, he wrote number one in the stand. Yeah. I mean, he's all like, you know, glorious. <laughs> he's embracing, he's embracing number one, being number yeah. one. Oh yeah. That was a celebration. All right. I think that's a wrap on our discussion of season four, episode six of Succession. Come back next week to discuss episode seven. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.